There's definitely something very weird going on here. Detective Roger Mortis has a problem. He's dead. But Detective Bigelow is bringing him back alive. We have something on the monitor, Captain. That's okay. Don't get up. Told you not to get up. Now, he's got 12 hours to solve the toughest murder case of his career. His own. From now on, I'm a vegetarian. How do you fight this thing? Maybe we could drown it in A1 sauce. Treat Williams. Sit down. And Joe Piscopo are dead heat. You shoot them, they don't die. You can't keep a good cop dead. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Reconsinimation. I'm your host, John Diner. I'm David Munchak. I'm Brent Hutchins. And this is the podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And we're checking out how they hold up today. And we have a, a, a yet another special episode for the conclusion of our sizzling summer of sensational cinematic shenanigans. Uh, it's a very special episode for a couple of reasons. We, uh, we recently... Uh, lost the great Treat Williams, who was just a, a fantastic actor who's been whose career has ranged from TV to features and, you know, high quality features, maybe some not as high quality features. Uh, and he's actually somebody that I worked with. Uh, I worked on a show called Brothers and Sisters, and he was part of the uh, the family that uh, that was on that show. Um, so we're going to look back at at uh, a one entry from his career, uh, which is Dead Heat. Yeah. <laughs> Probably his speaking, proudest role. Speaking of high-end features, <laughs> let's go. His, his finest moment, that's right, 1988's Dead Heat. And uh, in order to do that, we had to bring on another new friend, a new guest. Uh, and to do that, it had to be one of our founding member, members of the Santa Fe Loonies. It's Emmy-winning editor, Jared Burt. Uh, oh. Thanks for. <laughs> I'm more like I'm more like the Susan Lucci of uh, of the Creative Arts Emmys, but I appreciate the the intro there, <laughs> Jonathan. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. We uh, now, Jared, you and I have have a long uh, storied love affair with Treat Williams. Isn't isn't that true? We we sure do, and uh, you know I would throw out Cam for. For a portion of that, you know, due to due to Deep Rising, and I don't know if it was his love for that movie that that sort of pushed us onto that onto treat or, well, I mean, you liked him before, obviously, for some of his earlier stuff, but that movie I just remember left an impression 
on us, especially throughout our college years. It, it was deep. I don't know. <laughs> it was it was Me deep neither. rising for sure that that uh, took our, our love for treat to a whole different level. It took it to the stratosphere. And uh, th- yeah, we had a we had a friend at the time who was all over horror movies and deep rising was a a film that I think it had just come out like it had just come out on DVD and we watched that many times because that is a we we almost chose that for this episode but we went with dead heat instead um, is deep rising like one of those like underwater like like leviathan of yes type on like a movies? cruise ship yeah, yeah deep, deep star six like yeah. in that same vein yeah all those are classics so deep rising must be fantastic i don't know that i've seen it uh, it's like pretty I, I don't great. think i watched it with you and cam Highly recommend it. Highly recommend Deep Rising. I'm not sure if there's a movie that we, that me personally have ever rewound like multiple times in a five minute span just to rewatch moments. You know what I mean? Uh, The DVD, we would legit rewind it 30 seconds and then crack up for 10 minutes and then play it for five minutes, rewind it, watch the same. It was just. I, I've never done that more in a movie than Deep Rising for some reason. All right, it's, what's the what what's the what's the most rewatched scene in that movie? Oh, easy, John. Do you do you know what I'm going to say go, right now? Go for it. Yeah. There's a point where um, uh, is it Jaiman Hansu? Is that how you say his name? Yes. Yeah. He he's literally like they're breaking into the safe, and he's all excited and he's like money, 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 and the door opens and immediately he gets hatcheted in the head. <laughs> And the the prosthetic face and the it's just like you know you can't see what I'm doing obviously because the podcast but his face and his eyes look so awesome it's incredible I highly recommend that one moment and your life will be changed forever I'm gonna I'm gonna search it right after the show money 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 it's like like sound effect it's perfectly edited that 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 sequence right there. I'm impressed that you just had that off the top. Like you were like, I know which scene it is. I know exactly which scene it is. Listen, I think about that moment on the daily. <laughs> it's it's All a right. movie that is, you know, probably what, an hour, 40 minutes. And it would take us about four hours to get through it. <laughs> rewind, watch. Yeah. And the cast is great in that movie. Like Jaiman Hansu is such a great actor yeah. and, and, um, Famke Jensen and, yeah, and Jason like, Fleming, and there's a whole bunch of people in that movie. Yes, All this summers. love for Deep Rising and... And we're, we're covering Dead Heat. <laughs> we're talking about Dead Heat. Uh, well, like it, was, it was Deep Rising, though, that led us to Dead Heat. It, Dead Heat's a... Uh, it's a movie that I, I feel like I had seen bits of it, you know, after it, it came out on video, but never all the way through. And we fell so deeply in love with Treat from Deep Rising that... We then immediately watched uh, Dead Heat, and that just then he keeps going up a notch every time. And then not not long after that was the substitute movies. Boom, up, up, up. It just keeps going. But um, yeah, so let's before we get into Dead Heat, though, let's take a look back at the the career of of Treat. And uh, David, did you you know a little bit about Treat? Can you walk us through? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, so yeah, Treat Williams, legendary actor, comes from a humble beginnings. 
Uh, he was born in December 1st, 1951 in Connecticut. Uh, so he's a couple of weeks off from being the new baby Jesus. Didn't quite make it. Uh, but, uh, very you know, close, he, very yeah. close. <laughs> he's actually, Pete. exactly. Uh, he's actually a, uh, a descendant of both P.T. Barnum and uh, President Herbert Hoover. Uh, Hoover was the, I want to say, 30. 30th, 31st president of the United States. So for, for all you non-Americans, uh, that's one of our most favorite presidents. Uh, that's where Treat Williams comes from. Uh, he was a bit of a jock in high school but and, uh, and in college, but he definitely leaned uh, into the um, the theater kids uh, kind of thing. So he was doing he was doing theater with school and in the community uh, in the 70s, uh, starring in like Greece. And over here, and uh, he made his feature film debut in 1975 with Deadly Hero. Um, 75. And, wow, that's uh, so that, yeah, you don't think about that. He's been a, he was around as long as he was, yeah, like that's that's pretty pretty good early start uh, for him because I and for me, I you know, I I was late to the Treat Williams party as we'll we'll talk about, but like, yeah, no, so he he had a uh, he had a, a long career before I was even aware of what he was he had been doing, um, but he was in uh, it was in uh, Milos Forman's Hair in from 1979, and that's what kind of like made his career take off. Um, and he got you know got great reviews and was definitely like I mean that's a that's a well well regarded project. Yeah, and uh, he was you know among the among the cast there you know. Uh, well regarded um and so you know he continued working and through the 80s you know he uh he, he's not exactly like a like the leading man superstar but he's he's certainly a like utility player so and he'll do anything so he would show up in all sorts of different projects so uh let's say uh 1941 um he has a uncredited credit or uncredited appearance in empire strikes back yeah isn't he uh, like isn't he like one of the hoth like soldiers he's one of the echo base troopers uh, yeah yeah that, yeah that's yeah echo base so, my, my son yeah. would kill me for not getting that right <laughs> if you don't get the terminology right you're not a true fan stay away kids um, John. he uh he got a golden globe nomination for prince of the city and you see him in other things like the pursuit of db cooper once upon a time in america flashpoint smooth talk um and he was so he's a busy guy he even you know he had four movies out in 1988 um one of which we're talking about today oh yeah <laughs> um and then you'd see him more uh in the you know continue like the career actor path in the 90s um you know, he uh, again elevating every 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 movie that he's in. So uh, yeah, things like things to do in Denver, Mulholland Falls, The Phantom, uh, which we've 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 tangentially talked about. We, we did <laughs> in yeah. recent weeks. We did mention <laughs> The Phantom. Yes. <laughs> uh, Devil's Own, uh, Deep Rising, which uh, I saw the poster says uh, "Full Scream Ahead." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> as, a, as the tagline. I'm like, it's, I it didn't that. Steven Summers direct Deep Rising? He Steven sure Summers, did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which was he did that right before the Mummy. So 
That's right. That's, that's what we're talking about. Anyway, it was his ahead. tryout and it got him the mummy. Yeah, exactly. So this was his big sizzle, his, his like, you know, $20 million sizzle reel for yeah. the mummy, right? Uh, or probably more than that. There's a great uh, jet sea. Ski, jet ski scene with uh with treat and famka jensen that's all over the Ooh. trailer too so is it a sexy sexy scene more of an ass kicking kind of scene but... oh that's kind of fun yeah um and he took over the role that tom berenger originated in multiple sequels of the substitute yes and that, that's that's where i coined the phrase when berenger says no treat says yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, and I, lo- I, you know, I like that Behringer substitute. And then uh, I think when there were sequels, I'm like, oh, Behringer's not in it. I'm not interested. But little <laughs> did I know it was Treat Williams yeah. before I knew who Treat Williams was. So I missed out. Uh, <laughs> Those are fun and movies. The substitute it, sequels. I like. I, I've never. Yeah, I want. I kind of want to see them. Now. Winner takes all. They're yeah. still available. You yeah. you you can still watch. I, them. I I got time later today, so <laughs> I probably will pop a couple in. Uh, and of course, you know, he, he wasn't restricted to just feature films. He'd, he'd be popping up on t- television with um, continuous roles. Uh, so he was on, let's see, through the 90s, uh, Good Advice, um, Everwood, which was on the WB. Yeah. In like, I want to say early 2000s. That's where I like got to know Treat Williams. Like I knew who he, I sort of knew who he was, but I watched the first season of that, like, and I dug that show. I, I think that's uh, where we're, you know, on a mass level where he got mostly you know, mostly well known from was was everwood that was a popular show when i think four or five seasons and you know he was yeah. i don't know I, I don't remember if he was quite the lead but he was definitely the face of the show yeah but he's in almost he's the, 90 episodes so it's yeah, like he's it's the dad so, he's like he's yeah. the dad yeah he's the heart of the show of that nature i mean yeah because it's it's about the young people his fam it's about his family but like you know, he's the patriarch of this, of the single dad of this family, I guess. And uh, yeah, I, I think and I and that's on a younger skewing network. So it was actually like a new generation, I think, got to know him uh, through that. That's where a fa- audiences also got to know Chris Pratt. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, you know, he had uh, recurring on uh, Brothers and Sisters. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, you Luke- know, when I when I met him, he, he's one of those guys that I like froze, you know, like I, I don't get uh, starstruck by the big stars but when i met treat it was like i don't know what to say because i'm in i'm in <laughs> some butterflies right got a little got got yeah. a couple got some butterflies there john yeah <laughs> i know that feeling that's like ken jeong in me that's when i uh i john you were there when ken jeong was in a hallway uh yeah. <laughs> you had been working with but i i like I, I mean i had nothing to say to him for any reason so there i wasn't gonna but yes uh <laughs> Uh, also, uh, Blue Bloods, I think, and yeah. you know, and then you know, various guest stars at uh, Batman the Animated Series, The Simpsons, um, We Own This City, and um, you know, and just if you look at his IMDb, just lots of appearances and 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 films and movies that yeah. you know. Um, so uh, as of this recording, he hadn't he had passed just very recently. Um, we're probably releasing this a little bit later than that. Uh, down the line so but we you know we wanted to take the time to honor him and um and with picking one of one of which might as well be one of his favorite movies that he's ever done guys this movie's <laughs> a classic um but we will miss him and uh and well yeah let's talk let's talk about the things that 
that really get us going about dead heat. That's the interesting thing about Treat is that he he had this like, the the guy is in Once Upon a Time in America, and within four or five years of that, he's in Dead Heat, and he's having like you can tell he's having a great time in this movie, and he liked doing the he liked doing the Dead Heats and the Deep Risings, like he had he knew what they were, and he didn't care. Like he had a you know he was okay playing those kind of roles and. And I think because he was such a strong actor, he did make those movies better. You know, without without Treat and Dead Heat, I don't know what that movie would have been. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, he absolutely elevates the movie. You, uh, it, you know, this movie is it, it holds a, a soft spot in my heart. It, it kind of I, I kind of consider it a cousin movie to things like Return of the Living Dead or or even in some weird way, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. But but uh, like very like deep, deep, you know, like third cousin of of big Di- trouble. Very very distant, right? Yeah, very <laughs> distant cousin of 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 that. And there's just certain scenes that kind of like take me back to those those places. But but his acting in this, as cheesy as all the and the shenanigans that are happening throughout this movie, like he plays the the kind of the the deadpan straight character so the dry character so perfectly in this movie that it really grounds it and kind of it does it 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 raises it up right because to your point john without treat in this movie like it would be well uh, it's always amongst the chaos you need someone to ground it and i think that he's able to do that and know when to comedically when to be even more deadpan than right. than maybe he wants to be. And it's, it's just, I don't know. He's like, there's so many great lines from him in this. And he, de- he does ham it up a little like the, with the last line, which is my favorite line we'll get to later, but the, some of the like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking dead lady. You know, I, he just, <laughs> yeah. he says it so, so deadpan. And he, and what you said, I think John was like, he, he just doesn't have any ego about this stuff. He just enjoys it and he does it and he loves it. And you could tell in the performance, I think yeah. a lot. Yeah. Time. Yeah. I mean, he's so dry, but it's all like tongue in cheek and just, I mean, it's, you know, like he's doing it. It's all, it all feels very like wink, wink, nod, nod. Like we're all in on this joke together. And uh, you know, it, for me, it's this movie's, really bad and really great and totally entertaining because of because of all of it yeah yeah well and uh, like i because of the way he plays it straight i was thinking like not that we should re who could have played it you know and i would be like maybe a charles groden or a tom berenger type would kind of <laughs> slot in but i think it's it's really it's because of the kind of guy that treat williams is the way he he performs that's just so evenly like even keeled soft spokenness. Whereas like the other two probably would fit. Okay. But it'd be a totally different performance with a lot of, you know, they have a lot of sort of ego and power behind yeah. their performances all the time and it would be too much. So you really need, he, you know, when you're, when you're a, a duo with Piscopo, you know, you, you got to <laughs> know what level to bring your energy and it, it, it can't be too much because Piscopo's, you know, he's, he's the, he's electrifying with, <laughs> with the energy that's, that's, yeah, that's coming through. Yeah. yeah he's bouncing <laughs> off the walls. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all those, some of those other actors you mentioned, you know, had they been in this movie, 
the comedy wouldn't have come across the way it did with treat like treat can ride that line where he's he can play serious he can play comedy he can kind of do it all a Behringer, like especially at the time right after platoon and even in major league like he's more serious he's the more serious character like he can't i don't think he would have been able to play that lighter tone that treat did it would i mean it certainly it wasn't something we would be expecting of him back then yeah at, yeah. at the time so yeah david do you want to catch everybody up too i mean maybe it's just a maybe that people listening to this may not have seen <laughs> dead heat recently it's just a, there's, there's a chance pause the podcast right now go watch it we'll wait for you <laughs> uh sure yeah the uh it's written by terry black and directed by mark goldblatt that, that's uh, a brother of uh shane black yeah oh right yep. older brother long, of shane black long time talk uh, what's it long time listener shane black long time discuss see shane black what yes is long time subject <laughs> yeah there yeah. you go <laughs> um so written by terry black directed by mark goldblatt uh dead heat is about a duo of la cops named roger and doug <laughs> who play by their own <laughs> rules guys and during their investigation into a new criminal element in town one of them is killed and uh even though roger is dead that doesn't mean he stops being a cop uh roger's resurrected and races against the clock of fully decomposing while battling pr reps unstoppable <laughs> zombie gangsters and the maddeningly wealthy elite of southern california Boom. There it is. Nailed it. There it is. So what a what an adventure it's gonna be. <laughs> you may not think you need to see it with that fully encapsulating summary, but you should still check it out. <laughs> it's it's such an interesting combination of movies, too. It's you know, right in the mid to late 80s, but it's a it's a zombie movie, it's a comedy, it's a buddy cop movie, it's an action movie, it's a little bit of everything. Um perfect for treat it's yeah it's i mean it's a product of the time right because i mean buddy cop movies at that time were uh you know leading up to the late 80s kind of sporadic but then once lethal weapon hit like that was so huge that every studio was trying to do their spin on what that next buddy cop adventure would be you got things like alien nation you got things like samurai cop you got you know, all sorts of different types of mixes of like random characters matched together. And this just happened to be in that kind of vein of, of buddy cop. Uh, I feel like it was uh, such a big thing in the eighties, right? The, the whole buddy cop genre. Um, yeah. yeah. Start the 48 hours and then just goes, and yeah. then right, like yeah. you were saying, Brent, after lethal weapon, it's like that 87, 88, 89 like stakeout another stakeout like all of them yeah. um Beverly what Hills year Cop, red heat yeah. red, red heat, heat. Yeah. yep what yep. year was lethal weapon do you guys 87 know 87. 87 yeah yeah yes, this is a year <laughs> so later. this is this is very much like this and alien nation and and like double team with jean-claude van damme and all those like those are all like terry direct... was like i'll show you shane yeah direct spinoffs of of like the success of yeah. of lethal weapon like everybody was trying to capture that again right because it's yeah. monkey see monkey do that's how yeah. we do it running scared was another one that uh, yep. i actually just saw recently for the first time but 
buddy cop movies. It's you, you can't go wrong there with an eighties buddy cop movie. Oh, no way. Then you oh, throw I mean... treat and Piscopo in, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So when was the first time you guys uh, saw this movie? Brent will, or uh, J- actually Jared, why don't we start with you? Well, I want to say the, the, the first time and the only time that I've probably seen it up until recently for us watching it was after we watched deep rising. I think that was the only time. And honestly, dude, I know we were texting about this yesterday or whatever. I was like, I didn't remember all the twists in the movie. I didn't remember that. All, there neither. was so much death. I was like, everyone's dead. Basically. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> I'm like, yeah. It's called dead heat. Dude. Legit. Everyone is dead. <laughs> everyone. Yep. Um, I texted John. I was like, I did not remember that <laughs> at all. Oh, I didn't either. It was it, watching it this time was basically like watching it th- for the first time again. Yeah. That um, there was so much. I mean, I guess I just remembered maybe I had had a little bit of alcohol the first time we watched it. Also, it was a while ago, <laughs> but uh, I did not remember. I did not remember Vincent Price was in it. Mm-hmm. Darren McGavin, you know, the half mm-hmm. the cast that's in it. But uh, yeah, same same for me. Brent, what about you? Uh, I did know Vincent Price was in it uh, because I remember it was like one of the very last things that he that he did before before he passed away. I mean, I know he was in a couple other other things, but like I was a pretty big Vincent Price fan. I've always liked scary movies, obviously, but even the old ones like Pit and the Pendulum and The Fly and all that stuff. Like I was a big because those were like right in my mom's wheelhouse and she's the one that kind of introduced me to horror movies. So. Uh, the first time I saw this actually was probably it was like a summer rental. Like I would, I couldn't pinpoint exactly, but probably summer of '89, like right after it came out on VHS. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved it. I you know, but I was 11, and it's perfect for an 11 year old who's allowed to see bananas dead zombie movies because it's super cheesy, and I mean the humor. A lot of the Piscopo humor is very adolescent, like it's, you know, and you're not expecting much, right? So, so I've always known who Treat is, like since then, I've always, you know, um, uh, admired this movie. I I, uh, enjoyed it a lot, probably saw it a handful of times as a kid, but hadn't really seen it again uh, since, you know, maybe the early 90s, mid 90s. And so rewatching it now was definitely... There were a lot of like I remember bits and pieces, but man, like the whole like taking duck scene and the 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 like the Chinese restaurant kitchen uh, battle and you know there's so many things in here that that I had completely forgotten about. Um, but uh, I'm glad I I'm glad we're doing it because some of those things are pretty fantastic. <laughs> yeah, uh, David, what about you? First time watch, uh, first time watch for for this one. Um, and <laughs> did did not did yeah like there there's things in this I did not expect that would be in this that just you know the unexpected deaths the scenes that Brent just mentioned, just like what the hell like it, it just it's no holds barred they'll they'll they just did whatever, uh pretty wild it's like it's way more out there than you'd expect, <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So this a, was an interesting thing. What, what's yeah, that I was going to say as a first time, like, I mean, you know, yeah, I, I saw it as a kid, John and Jared saw it, you know, uh, under the influence of 
probably booze and Cam Belden and 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 the deep rising wave, <laughs> the dangerous that, uh, combo of the of the college of the college years. What did you like? Un untethered. What was your what was your uh, experience like seeing it the first time at this point in your life? It, it it was it was kind of um it was it was sort of a surprising sort of treat um it was uh, a treat you say it was a, yeah it was a treat yeah. treat no pun intended um yeah it, it was really it was really weird and I I yeah it's, it's just like oh, these these freaking movies man <laughs> like, the summer they, of shenanigans is not it's not disappointing like they're Jesus all... Christ. <laughs> when when your most grounded summer shenanigans movie is one crazy summer you yeah, know, yeah like yeah. you're like you know you're dealing from the bottom of the deck like you're <laughs> which it's... is bizarre in and of itself yeah. oh for sure <clears throat> so, all right interesting yeah. yeah i can't i can't imagine having just seen it for the first time and being like oh that was that was exactly what i thought it was going to be <laughs> yeah no there's there's no way to have pre- there's no way to have predicted any of it like as a first time viewer so when when i was watching it this time i was thinking they they pushed it in those weird zones a few times you know the cutlery coming to life and and you know the the ducks and and you know put some a1 sauce on you know how do we kill this <laughs> yeah. thing drown in a1 sauce I was I was almost hoping they would do it a little bit more in a couple spots. I, I thought there sure. were a couple missed mm. opportunities, but maybe that's from me having seen a gazillion movies over my lifespan and seeing sort of, you know, what Raimi was doing with some of the evil deads mm-hmm. and, and, you know, some of that. But um, I think they actually originally the script was written, at least from what I've read, and it was a, a little bit more in a lot of places, but the studio dialed it back. I had read that too. And I was thinking, Oh man, that's probably why there's only a few of those moments. Yeah. Cause if you go for those moments, you're just get you're just going right. So yeah. I was expecting there, there was, a little bit more. There was supposed to be like a death day. Yeah. They there's like a death, the death day party. party right? scene. And there was a... Yeah. They mention it a lot, but they, you, you never see it. They actually right. had one in there. Yeah. Yeah. I think they shot it and then didn't, mm-hmm. Uh, cut it in but i mean when you look at the poster though it looks like your typical buddy cop movie from the 80s right i mean it looks like you know this is coming out right after dragnet which i remember i think that was a big movie i remember it being a big movie maybe it wasn't but it was i remember it being a big movie right that was dan Aykroyd and tom hanks yeah 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 Yeah. i mean because it was a huge tv show yeah yeah and it was the 80s like you know attempt at a reboot but um so you don't really looking at the poster that doesn't quite match up to exactly what the movie is because the movie is, you know, it's a, it's a mashup of a Frankenstein movie and a buddy cop movie and horror like, but it's like a zombie horror comedy, but different than other zombie movies. So like, there's no virus that's being spread. That's making people become zombies, right? Like not in the same way as your walking deads and, it's more, more of a Frankenstein kind of zombie movie. Yeah, that's I, I think that that's accurate. Uh, I wouldn't even really call it like a horror movie, though, right? Like, it's definitely zombies, but like, it's much more in the 
like, and this is why I say it's kind of a cousin to Return of the Dead or Return of the Living Dead, right? Because it's like kind of comedy, tongue in cheek. It's aware of itself and like it, it doesn't try and do any horror tropes like other than we've got zombies, but it's just like a buddy cop movie with zombie makeup. Right. right? Like, yeah. So it's almost yeah. like a police procedural at times too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause you know, they go for, you know how police procedurals or revenge movies, they go from one person to shake them down to the next person who gives them the info, they shake them down and then the plot, uh, you know, unfolds and there's, yeah. there's so mm-hmm. many twists and turns in this bad boy. I was like, really? There's another <laughs> there plot is. twist with this one girl. Was, <laughs> oh my God. Bonkers. Rebe- What's her name? Rebecca Smithers, Smithers, Smithers. Who is that? The, that's the coroner, right? Yeah, that's who is the, the coroner yeah. and ex, uh, wife. you know, ex wife of Treat Williams' character, Roger Mortis. Who Roger she, Mortis. Get it? rigor get it? Mortis, Roger Mortis, get it? Yeah, no, uh, thank God she's in this movie because we, as an audience, need her to explain what the hell is going on, and she knows everything. Listen, the, we we also need with all her, the answers. Yeah, we also need her to bring him back to life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because yeah. without yeah, her, right. he'd be dead. I mean. Yeah. 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 She figures it all out. <laughs> in yeah. Twenty seconds. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously intuitive. The machine, like you just have to press a bunch of blinking buttons, and yeah. you're good to go. This this felt <laughs> like this could have been a pilot of like a Fox show or something. like Absolutely. That. Like yeah. 80s Fox like, show for sure. Yeah, like he's so he would just be an undead cop for the rest of the sh- you know series, and they fight other undead people and solve crimes. And like yeah, you just lose the ticking, you know, the ticking clock of uh, of him expiring or yeah. mo- make it longer yeah. or something. Every episode he loses another body part, and he's like, <laughs> and he just... it's it it really like because it because it goes yeah because it is that conventional like. 80s cop movie where they're getting yelled at by the captain and they're both on they they're under double suspension you know yeah. so they better watch themselves like not just the single suspension but yeah like, by the way probation that first scene when they're they're stopping the jewelry heist from the the zombie robbers with the yeah. masks and he's like i'm gonna borrow your your car lieutenant and then the okay so like 50 sh- cops have been shot in the in the head yeah it's exploded and then the cop is like he crashes his car and he's like oh man and he's so sad about his car i'm like dude your your boys just died like 50 of them just got shot and he's like you really jacked up my car buddy <laughs> yeah that opening sequence is uh is the, the robbery at the jewel store is um jewelry store is straight out of like a lethal weapon it's your standard you know mm-hmm. cop confrontation uh sequence and that's where we start to we meet our characters which is as we mentioned roger mortis uh for treat williams and doug bigelow for joe piscopo now i know this is a treat williams centric episode but david you got to be a piscopo pal right i'm a piscopalian man i i I don't have super strong feelings about Joe Piscopo, but but they skew on the positive. So, you know, like he, he uh, I I liked his Saturday. I remember his Saturday Night Lives. Like I remember that era 
of him specifically uh and then i remember him like showing up on like comedy half hours and Mm -hmm. other tv shows and stuff like that so to give him this role with the absolute worst zingers and all that stuff it's like it's perfect piscopo like it's i'm sure he was trying to ad-lib some of these uh and and writing them on on his own uh some of these i don't know because do you guys have any thoughts on him constantly eating in the movie did you notice he was he was like he's got a hot dog and then he's eating some noodles and then that's kind of like brad pitt that's the brad pitt school of acting yeah he doesn't know what to do with his hands so brad pitt maybe brad went to the piscopo school of acting (laughs) could be could be i think that's what happened or the denzel school i think denzel also is a a bit of a muncher really Uh, oh maybe a little bit here i just Actors, some actors want something to do. They always want something to do. Some, but eating is hard. You know, you, you gotta do dialogue, and it, it gets. Yeah. I just get rewatched messy. Ocean's Eleven like a couple weeks ago, and mm-hmm. it is comical. Like the, I mean, Brad Pitt's great in that movie, but there's not a single scene that he's in that he's not putting something in his mouth, like eating or or whatever. Like it's yeah, it's a real it's thing. kind of bananas. Um, it piss. Pis- like, oh, go ahead, David. I was like, I think it's like a substitute for like smoking. You know, where like characters used yeah. to be interesting and they would smoke on screen all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I think it's just like, well, we can't smoke anymore, so we, let's give me something interesting to do. Okay. Yep. S- sunflower seeds and cupcakes, <laughs> whatever. Cupcakes. All of it together. <laughs> just give me hot, whatever the fuck. Hot, dog, hot dogs in the convertible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Vape- vaping doesn't look as cool as smoking did, so now they're just like, <laughs> oh, let's just eat. Yeah. Um. Going back to Joe Piscopo, though, he was, uh, I think people forget how important he was to the survival of Saturday Night Live. Um, it was it was Eddie Murphy and Piscopo. Eddie Murphy gets all the credit now, but mm-hmm. it was really the two of them together in a lot of those skits. And they were the two that, the only two that survived that tumultuous 1980-81 season where it almost got canceled. And then they sort of relaunched it with a different cast. I so I only really know Joe Piscopo from this. This and the best Eddie Murphy's best of Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. There's one yep. scene that he's in where it's like Ebony and Ivory, they're yep. like Stevie Wonder mm-hmm. and it's Frank Sinatra. Hila- Frank Sinatra. It's hilarious. It's great. But <laughs> like the reason that Eddie Murphy gets all the love for saving that is because they didn't do a best of Saturday Night <laughs> yeah. Live Joe Piscopo, man. You're right. Which no, is, you're you're totally right. Yeah. Which sucks. Because I saw the best of Eddie Murphy Saturday Night Live probably a hundred times. But oh yeah. That, yeah. Where's the Piscopo one? My, I know. It's in the works. It's in the works, I hear. Oh, yeah. my, siblings, never. my siblings used to record Saturday Night Live and had those from from like when I wasn't I wasn't old enough to watch them originally, like the Piscopo mm-hmm. ones. But they we still had them. Uh so like they we would re- replay them and then uh um, yeah, I just uh, I I can I can see him on stage. Um, I can't recall the sketches anymore, but I, yeah. I know it. Uh, there's one called the uh, Doug and Wendy Weiner, the Weiners. That's a great Piscopo skit. Mm-hmm. Um, check that one out. There's there's a whole bunch that that don't really get any airtime anymore, but um, uh, it's worth checking out. And and he and Eddie were like kind of behind the scenes, were like a team, and they worked together, and they stuck together, and they left the show together, and then. Eddie's career took off and Joe's career kind of didn't, um, you know, he d- definitely did some movies. He did Johnny dangerously did wise guys and, and, uh, and of course dead heat. 
and he changed his look. Like he, he I, I remember him becoming a big fitness guy. You know, he was doing stand up in the in the mid and late eighties, but his fitness stuff because he's like ripped and huge compared to when he was on Saturday Night Live. He was just kind of a tall, skinny guy. But um, and then the nineties came, and he's another one of those guys that just vanished <laughs> when 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 nineteen ninety hit. January 1st, it was like <laughs> he was gone. Uh, well, he probably eagerly awaiting dead heat too. So, <laughs> um, Jared, how do you feel about Mark Goldblatt uh, as the director of this movie? Mark Goldblatt is a legendary editor. I also had the honor of working with him, but did a lot of uh, James Cameron's early movies. Well, I, I had no idea until I started researching the film probably right before we watched it, that he was Cameron's editor. And I got so stoked, you know, looking, looking him up and realizing that he was, I'm like, he is, he, I mean, he is the guy, right? I mean, so many great films in his filmography as an editor. Yeah. Um, not many in his directorial <laughs> pocket <laughs> sometimes you gotta stay in your lane i guess <laughs> but yeah I, I had i had no clue that he was uh cameron's editor for so long and yeah he, i mean he did all the early uh all the early great cameron films yeah i mean all all of those plus other classics like rambo first blood part two commando nightbreed predator two showgirls <laughs> showgirls the last Boy Scout. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 don't it's, don't you forget the iconic film Triple X State of the Union. Uh, how you can dare you forget not, that one? Jonathan, how, how can you? Jonathan worked on that one. <laughs> he sure did. Yeah, he's he a, he's an, he's he is a he's a great editor though. I will say that, and it's yeah. really cool that he brought this amazing piece of art that we're talking about today to life <laughs> that's true along with terry treat and, and joe arrive at the uh the jewelry theft and uh take out the after great effort take out the uh <laughs> the thieves who are coming immediately back to life so right away they realize something something's wrong here uh and and ha so they <laughs> the bodies go to the morgue where we meet uh, Roger Mortis's ex-wife, Rebecca, who knows, who's seen these guys before, right? Wasn't that she like recognizes them that they've been in the morgue before? Yeah, yep. yes. Yeah, she she re remembers operating or like doing the autopsy on them. And and they and she finds a chemical in their system called sulfathiazole. <laughs> Sounds legit. <laughs> and she knows everything about this chemical. She created it. She didn't. <laughs> she didn't. No. But she knows who might did, as well. Right? <laughs> oh, and we meet there. We meet the the. Uh, I guess what is he like? The head coroner, uh, played by Darren McGavin. He's the boss of the coroners somehow. <laughs> the a lot of layers. Yeah, those, coroner so. boss. What's his What's his license plate say? Body doc. doc. Body doc. Yeah. Body doc. Yeah. Doesn't that sound like somebody who's doing like? I mean, that, that to me is like someone in, in Beverly Hills who's like a plastic surgeon. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but I, I love Darren McGavin so much, but he plays this character, does not play this character 
any differently from any of his other characters. No. From Christmas, the dad in Christmas story or Happy Gilmore <laughs> or whatever. Like he plays at the same kind of energy and tone, whether he's good or as we, you know, it gets revealed later on that he's kind of one of the people masterminding what's going on here with with the uh with the drug and um and he doesn't play his character any differently. Like he's no more evil later on. He's just the same kind of yeah. a bit jovial, you know, lighthearted. Uh, the I love the nuance, the nuance isn't quite as there as what we see with Treat. Oh yeah, yeah, no, for sure. He's what he's one level. So Treat at this point is his Roger Mortis is the serious straight edge cop to Doug Bigelow's more of your you know, the rigs to his Murtog, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So he starts the investigation and the, and it leads the sulfathiazole. They they check out where it's coming from, and it's uh, Dante Industries, right? Is that, uh, yes, which is a great name for a uh, chemical company. Sounds nefarious. Yeah, and we meet uh, Lindsay Frost, who is the I think the sister of Mark Frost, the co-creator of Twin Peaks, uh, who's the PR person for Dante, and. Uh, tours them through the building and what a horrible situation just animal torture left and right happening there <laughs> that's yeah. what happens at pharmaceutical the, companies yeah yeah but dogs and, like just full-size dogs and here's where we murder the animals yeah. like <laughs> there's a chamber that we well, use well, the we know Darren, chamber. we know from a Christmas story that Darren McGavin does not like dogs. So You're right. I mean, yeah. This is the same character. It's the connection. I'm just saying. By the way, if you haven't heard our Christmas story episode, you can dig it out of the archives at reconsideration.com. Uh yeah. So the they so why would you put down an a you know any of those animals who've been tested on humanely or with, you know, like put them to sleep or whatever, you're gonna put them in a decompression chamber, of course. Yeah, suck all the oxygen out of the room. Yeah, it seems like it seems like it makes sense to torture them that way. (laughs) After you've done everything else by the book, and what are the like? It sucks the air out of the room, and you just fall asleep. Basically, is what they were implying. Yeah, they were supposed to be within seconds, but we we are we are gifted (laughs) with a very dramatic sequence where we watch we watch five percent of the time five percent at a time the oxygen being ripped out and uh, treat williams in an absolute panic because he's about to die uh it's kind of horrifying actually he's aware of his own mortality unlike the dogs (laughs) so but we get a reaction shot from the dogs as they watch some of this these shenanigans go on that's true there's just Um, cage dogs in a a loose like you know on a cart in a a loose hallway yeah by the way not to jump too far back but remember the front desk guy looking at the uh porno magazine yes Mm -hmm. Yes. so weird what was going on with that why like this respect this billion dollar company and like your your front desk dude is like (laughs) a skeevy weirdo like, yeah, yeah. Was, they're tr- they're trying to choice. Es- establish that it's a you know it's kind of a sham this place true yeah because yeah he ends up with a uh like a lot of characters with a submachine gun and uh <laughs> yeah lots of, everybody lots of, every, lots of uzis in this movie so many uzis. Uh, it was the 80s 
The I Uzis are the weapon of choice in this film. Absolutely. I, and, I, and I love how a lot of the bad guys just think that, the, oh, I'm going to take this Uzi and just like stick it in my belt, in, be, in my pants. And just walk around that's how I'm going to carry my Uzi. That's okay. where it goes. Yeah. That's that, it. You're totally right. <laughs> um. So Doug slips away, sneaks away. And of course... Sneaks away. Come on. It's the it's the classic. I mean, I, I have to. Pee. Where's the John? Randy, Randy James, the Lindsay, Fro- Lindsay Frost character falls for the oldest trick in the book. Dougie, <laughs> Dougie, Dougie B's like, oh, I got a piece so bad. My teeth are floating. <laughs> oh, thank you for that. <laughs> She's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Go to the bathroom, dude. And he and his cool leather jacket slip away, and then he mm-hmm. comes back to the. There's a toxic waste a room that's labeled like toxic waste. So he takes, he takes his ID badge that they gave him, which is just a laminated piece of paper, right? Yeah. And like visitor pass, his visitor it's not, pass. It's just a piece of paper. There's no laminate. It's just like <laughs> he, he sticks it in <laughs> the like ID scanner and like breaks in basically to the toxic waste room because you'd want to go in there. Yeah. That's like, if, if I'm, if you're even somewhat educated, I think the, your least likely place you would want to end up is anything labeled toxic waste. Even if you don't believe what they're saying, right? I don't want to be here on the off chance. It really is a toxic waste room. Yeah. Maybe don't, you know, just don't go in there. He was really gambling. Don't yeah. short circuit that door with your piece of paper. <laughs> yeah. Stay well, out. He took a chance, but he did find <laughs> like a like sci-fi cool like chamber. Like this yeah. like right out of Stargate. Yeah. Like yeah. What, like yeah. This the regeneration was... chamber. The yeah. regeneration uh, chamber. It looked really cool. <laughs> with a, a little surprise waiting on the on the table for him, right? It was the uh so a regenerated biker is that like yeah he looked like a biker dude yeah why was his face into what happened there yeah yeah like a triple yeah double face or something i don't know like this well like they're like they're trying to like push it like they're like this frankenstein type right so maybe like he uh didn't come back together right yeah uh the, the the later in the process the more monstrous they are i guess but it doesn't it doesn't make sense unless you like actually you know operated and put another face on there i don't yeah. you know but i think it's just a good scary look <laughs> just a good horrifying look yeah it looked great and yeah. he has so so doug has this like knockdown drag out a fight with this this uh biker zombie that goes out back into the hallway uh do, do, do they knock uh, Roger into the, is that how he gets in? I, I forgot. Does he get, he gets pushed like, yeah, into the yeah, chamber. He gets, right? he gets kind of stumbled him. in. Yeah. yeah. And of course the door locks behind him and immediately it turns, well, we see a mysterious no fail safes turn the machine on. No fail yeah. safes. You're right. Nope. The door closes. You're doomed. Yeah. And <laughs> then as you mentioned, David, 5% at a time, we watch as the, uh, the air starts to get sucked out of this chamber that was supposed yeah. to be instantaneous. And poor Piscopo is doing all he can to fight the <laughs> double-faced biker and save his friend. It feels He's like really five... regretting that he used that piece of paper on the other door because he might have been able <laughs> yep. to use that piece of paper on this door. True. 
It's true. It feels like five straight minutes of this scene of like cutting mm-hmm. back and forth between Roger, like desperately trying to get out of the room and calling for Doug and Doug's fighting with this zombie guy and just back and forth and back and forth. And, and it's, and, uh, uh, Randy battle. James has run off and and run away. So it's just this going on. Finally, Doug beats the the zombie or or you know gets him down, and he just has to watch as Roger like drops dead. I feel like he could have tried to do more. Shoot the glass, maybe hit the other button on the door. I mean, it wasn't going to work. <laughs> or he only hit. There's two buttons. He only hit the one. Yeah. Like, or taking that fire extinguisher he was using as a weapon to like bash in the glass, yeah, just anything. Just, yeah. just give me, a, give me anything. But uh, I guess standing at the door saying "Roger," I guess yeah. that's, he, that's enough. He got his, he got his Oscar moment right there. Yeah, that was it for sure. <laughs> um, and then thankfully, our friend Rebecca shows up uh, right after they get the the situation under control. Rebecca shows up and. They have the great idea of we're right next to a re- the next room over is a regeneration machine. Yeah. So why not uh, bring Roger back? Yep. And she no knows ethical how to- issues. No. Let's just do it. Yeah. Let's and go. she knows how to operate that machine immediately. She is quite impressive in this film. Yeah. I have to say she knows all about the drugs. She knows all about the facility. She knows all about regen machines that no one knows anything about, but she just, Pops up all those buttons, boop, 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 and we're good to go. I think she watched a lot of MacGyver. And so she, <laughs> she was, was like, big at this point. Yeah. Into it. Um, that's why I said, thank God she's in this movie because it would, the movie would have been over by this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it would have been the Doug Bigelow story. <laughs> Dougie B. Uh... Doug would be planning a funeral and. And uh, uh, and a memorial service, yep. and uh, go back to busting heads on the streets. <laughs> the that fight, that fight, that zombie fight though between him and the zombie, uh, the big biker guy, and like and like the, the shootout in the beginning. It's like this just excessive, like just the the number of gunshots in the in that opening sequence is like insane, and like it just keeps going on and on and on, <laughs> and and it's endless. And no like, one really reloads either. They just yeah, keep shooting. There's no reload. It, it was the, the 80s, thing. guys. Yeah. It was the 80s. Who needs yeah, like that not, kind of detail? Have you not seen Last Action Hero? It, it all is explained in Last Commando. Action Hero. Yeah. Like, like when they were the, they're at Randy James's apartment and then the two zombies bust in and they just have two, two Uzis and they're just shooting. Just sh- and like they don't stop. Like that magazine, those magazines easily would have run out. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, and it's just it, just lots of oozy play. It's just so it's hilarious. Um, so so after this, you know, treat uh, Roger is brought back to life. Thank God to help us whew. get us through the rest of this movie. And they uh, the investigation begins. Then it's a lot of you know your standard uh, cops. You know, working the beat. They're they're checking uh, what Dante Industries is really up to and where this chemical is being sent which leads us to uh a sequence in a was it a is it a butcher shop with um key luke from gremlins and mm-hmm. professor toru tanaka from uh well it's an old-time wrestler and also the running man played sub-zero in the oh, running man right yep uh which is one of the like crazy sequences in the movie mm-hmm. uh, and it's revealed that like 
they're like sulfathiazole is being Dante Industries sending this chemical to be put into the food so that everyone's going to eat it and they're basically going to it's a way for them to control everybody, right? Yeah, it is this scene is one of my two favorite scenes in the movie. <laughs> it is batshit crazy. And if you're a fan of Chinese food, makes you think twice before the next time you go get Chinese food cuz it's all killer all the all the uh, Peking duck the <laughs> Mongolian beef it's yeah. all yeah. going to get trying to kill you seeing all, all that meat come to life was just so unnerving yeah and you want to be a vegetarian <laughs> yeah totally. I think yeah. I think Joe Piscopo even says that yeah he does yeah. he does <laughs> <laughs> and it's a huge battle you know in this you know, I guess the back of, of this Chinese restaurant that um, just happens to be a regeneration room yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So right, like, right above where they're talking. Yeah. Right. yeah. Like, oh. And is it is it a liver that like attacks Roger like right in the face? He, yeah. I don't, it's it's like just alien blob. style face huggers. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Another scene that reminds me of Return of the Living Dead, like when they're in the basement of Return of the Living Dead and that that half dog comes back to life yeah you know like uh, i'm telling you this is a cousin i would like to just take a moment to to say that the puppet work the stop motion work the makeup in this film are all really good for being on such a minimal budget i i guess i'm a huge fan of that type of practical effect anyway but it it looks great well and that was one thing that did get a lot of praise for the movie was this scene like people really yeah, seem to really like it. I mean, my my the my other favorite scene in this is the one in the in the shower room where uh, Lindsay Frost character melts. Yes. Like yep. that's another one where the practical oh, man. scene is just another like, great stop motion awesome moment. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah they, it, look, they look great. That scene is really really well done because I mean I watched it a couple of times and I felt like it was really hard to see how that gag was working. It yeah. looked so real and it was all practical. Yeah. Like her face, like she just literally right in front of Roger just melts and decomposes. And yeah. And we're jumping ahead a little bit, but it's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that she kind of reveals what's really going on and what Vincent Price's character was sort of up to and what her real backstory is that she was also dead and regenerated. And apparently that's when her time was going to run out. I don't know how they like. Yeah, like she really explained how she was, was able to just expire like that. I, did that come out of nowhere too? Because out of nowhere, yeah. It was like, by the way, here's a curveball. She's also dead, and she's just gonna evaporate. Yeah, we're cool, right? Let's go. <laughs> well, she had like she had like five reveal or like yeah, it was a switcheroos. Lot there was a lot yeah. of switcheroos with her character. Oh, that's yeah. right. like, wait, you're what? Like Vincent Price was my dad. Well, he wasn't my dad. He sort of adopted me and then, you know, it was was just one thing after another. And then, yeah. <laughs> but I, my favorite moment is like after she's melted, basically, she's still speaking to him and begging forgiveness. Yeah. And clearly she has, she is just a skull, like no... <laughs> brain no no vocal meat cords, there's no, no meat left on yeah, the bone but she's still talking to him yeah <laughs> he's trying to apologize you know yeah and roger is like you know 
pretty quickly decomposing through through you know our act two of the movie yeah um that he's you know he gets he gets some uh makeup to put on to try to make him look more human but that doesn't really work and then what's every, every action scene when there, when those two you know other zombies show up at the house to attack him and uh you know he gets shot oh and, yeah but in one scene he bleeds in other scenes they say he can't bleed <laughs> So, I don't know. I think but, some blood was spilling out, but there's no pulse to push the blood out. You know, right. he's not going to bleed to death. So he's he still has bloody wounds that that stain that stain his uh, suit coat. <laughs> and and treat treats really like I don't want to. He's not hamming it up for these, but he's really playing into the fun of the the like he's having. It's clear he's having a lot of fun with this character. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. He's almost like a like an indestructible superhero in a way. Well, yeah, I mean, as as perfectly displayed at the very end when he's going in guns a blazing, <laughs> and all the Uzi, he's just like taking Uzi fire from all directions, and he's just like, it's not phasing him. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like that last fifteen minutes of the movie. I could have had another ninety minutes of. Oh, it's great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, before we get to there, though, so. It ends up where Doug is killed. Yeah, what did that yeah. happen? You don't see it. Like they you guys split remember up. that happened? You split <laughs> it just up. Happened. Yeah, why why I I think I was trying to figure out. I even went back and I was like, why are they splitting up again? Why is he he's just gonna go home and watch TV while his yeah. friend's deteriorating? Yeah. I, I don't understand. Yeah. Well, you know, and then his his reaction him. when he's back alive, he's like Oh, Doug, you're alive. Well, when did you see him dead? Like, I'm can. There's, I think, an edit in there that happened that didn't quite tie everything together. Well, the the scene, which is where... crazy to think about, as well put together as this movie is, but something didn't quite add up. When Roger finds Doug's body, like he's upside down, and is it a fish tank that yes. he's in? Is, yeah. yeah, yeah, I believe it's. A fish I did tank. not even put that together that that was Doug for like well, five you... minutes. No, you can't even tell when he's when they show you the face of the person in the tank hanging upside down and and suspended in water like y- you can't tell that that's Doug. Yeah. Right. Like, they they say his name, but that you have to catch it. <laughs> like yeah. cuz he's he's very he's like blo- he's bloated corpse face guy. Right. So he doesn't, you know, it doesn't look like him. So The only thing you uh, can recognize is that permed hair and that but leather that's jacket. All wet. And, and it's all wet upside down. Yep. <laughs> yep. You got nothing. Um, so then it becomes like rot, like Rogers movie. Cause Doug, this is like what, I don't know, 60% of the way through the movie and Doug's just out, which I did not remember at all. Nope. <laughs> um, and then Rogers got to do the investigation on his own. He ends up getting, he, he gets, uh, he confronts Darren McGavin once he's put it together that, you know, the, the body doc is the one kind of who's been really working with Dante Industries. And uh, mm. and he gets caught and thrown in an ambulance and like handcuffed to the guardrail. And there's another body in the ambulance. And who is it? It's our lovely Rebecca. Rebecca, yeah. she died as off screen. Off Dead. screen. Yeah. yeah. Second Everyone, death off screen. Everyone's dying off screen. Yeah, dead heat. This is that like really a... bummed me out too because I was like, th- her character was so important, 
And yeah. <laughs> they're never going to figure anything out from yeah. this point forward. How are they going to do anything? This is basically like the moment, spoiler alert, when Cormac McCarthy kills off the main character in No Country for Old Men. That's how I felt when yeah. I saw she was dead. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, well, they they have to bring her back, right? That's that's <laughs> that was what I was thinking till the end of the movie, and then nope, they're not gonna. No, she's not. <laughs> she's nope. just dead. Kill yeah. everyone. Yeah, but I so he he ends up like setting the ambulance uh, off, like driving on its own, so it'll crash. Right. I, that I didn't was an understand. Sequence. I didn't understand what he was doing there. Well, they were gonna. They were gonna. He was gonna remain trapped there and com- decompose and die. I think, right? Was right. that the idea? He was gonna. Yeah. So they kind of imprison him in it, like you know, it's it's soundproof, like you know, like, and he just manages to dislodge the parking, you know, <laughs> the take it out of park and put it in neutral, and so he so knew he'd survive. He really, he thought he'd survive, like, and humongous, spe- spectacular, explosive car crash at the <laughs> and, at the bottom of the hill. How many innocent people got yeah, killed like in he, that accident? Well, like I, you know, they don't say it in the film, but like, I mean, like they sort of allude to it that, like, because he's dead now, like nothing, nothing matters, right? So yeah, he doesn't care. He doesn't <laughs> like care. He's gonna like, die. So he has one the, thing on his mind, and that's revenge. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would think I would. I think I would think that too. It's like, well, if I'm dead, like I'm dead, like. uh so everybody who's coming dies. with me who's coming yeah. with me? like everybody dies i have one mission yeah um which is that which is such a weird thing to like yeah like what's i mean he's but he's not actually dead like he's he's still kind of alive until yeah he's gonna decompose so but his it, only he his acts, only emotion is revenge yeah well mm-hmm. he sped up the process of decomposing by doing that little <laughs> ambulance did. stunt because half yeah. his face is gone afterwards yeah, his, but he looks pretty kick-ass. His hair transforms. His, yeah. his face is... He looks like a zombie rock burnt. star. Yeah, He's he looks awesome. He yeah, looks and definitely, definitely treat having, I think, even more fun when you get to this point. Probably not so much fun putting that makeup on every day on set, but uh, yeah. definitely fun with that character. And then we get then the final confrontation where he returns to Dante Industries and... I think the big showdowns in the regeneration room, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, where it's revealed leads. that they, a couple of reveals that um, Vincent Price, who we thought was dead is actually alive. And he's another, uh, yet another mastermind behind the plan. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and Doug Bigelow is the next subject of the uh, regenerator. So, and they try to set Doug. We have a, a little moment between Doug and Roger where Doug's attacking Roger and Roger talks him out of it. Talks yeah, him back to, to his senses. We've got to yeah, make, he, make he, him remember. He yeah. reminds him of the lipstick that he put on earlier. Yeah, it was hide cherry, his de- cherry blossom. What, what, yeah. was the, what was the Mul- color? Mulberry. Mulberry, yeah. yeah. Mulberry wine. Yeah, yeah mulberry <laughs> wine. Yeah, it was the it was that it was that and and we both have to have a death day and it's so that unlocks his his memories and he's back and and but he looks the same like he does not look zombified at all yeah he he would have even though we saw like the like the the biker from earlier yeah exactly i think the biker had been regenerated multiple times that's maybe (laughs) could be um 
Yeah, and uh, and then we get our final action sequence, and our two heroes. Uh, Literally, I would say they live to fight another day, but they don't. <laughs> they, no, they they walk out. They slowly die. <laughs> yeah, they like walk, they're gonna they they're walk gonna melt the light. Yeah, together a, a cloudy. You know, they walk into a cloudy mist of yeah. white light. And, yeah, uh, the the best performance or the best line delivery is at the end there with treat um because the dad of course from uh christmas story mm-hmm. will not give them the satisfaction of you know <laughs> taking oh, his right. life he oozes himself in the head of course because he's got the oozy everyone the has Uzi. Uzis. and then treat is like a close-up on his face and he's like you know you cheated me or something like that. And he walks up to the body and he's standing next to Piscopo and he goes, damn you, McNabb, you cheated me. And he screams <laughs> and he shakes his fist. And it's, it's, I mean, if you, if you get a chance, please seek this moment out. It is, I, it was like that, that moment in dead, right. Uh, deep rising. I rewound it like 20 times yep. and I could not stop laughing. <laughs> you cheated me. God damn you, McDuff, you cheated me! It's it's amazing. You cheated oh. me! <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, so, so all of our characters by the end of the movie are dead. And <laughs> I guess but, it's a happy ending. It's kind but, of like... <laughs> well, wait, but like... He, he, that, that's a pretty... Uh, McGavin oozes himself, but then they bring him back to life just to make him Just explode. to blow him up. Yeah. Like that's that's you forget you left that part out like that like he gets his revenge yeah he does end up getting it resurrects him just to make to overload him in the system or whatever and he and he blows up yeah he yeah. regenerates him when he's already regenerated right and he just <sighs> it's, and like, our heroes it's like do microwaving have a something to live. with metal our heroes do have a chance to live because I, I want to say Vincent Price is like no we know how to keep you guys alive forever and they're like eh screw it ba 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 and they machine gun you know Uzi the whole yeah. room up yeah. Yeah, just but double double Uzis, uh, and that was that's the end of Dante Industries, I guess. That's uh, it. Yeah. I was uh, I noticed at the end of the credits, uh, special thanks to Joe Dante, and I'm wondering if they named that uh, that oh, after him probably. or something. I wonder maybe. if he did uh, like a probably polish on oh, yeah. the script or something. And yeah, I imagine like there might be his some involvement. This this seems up Joe Dante's alley. And totally. Way. Definitely you know? feels like a Joe Dante could have uh, directed yeah. this, and uh, and also Dante Industries. The physical location is uh, that Tillman Water Reclamation Plant, which is a stand-in for Starfleet headquarters in <laughs> in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yes, so we've is seen that right. That's right, and also I think it's Bill and Ted University in the Bill and Ted movies. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> anyway. So reading somewhere that they, I think they used it for biodome or something. Biodome, like yep, yeah. they did, they did. It's, it's got a great like space age, slash futuristic look to it. So any anytime it pops up in media, I love, I love on it to see it. I've never been there, but it's just you know it's right in Van Nuys, like yeah, next to the Japanese. I feel like uh, I garden. have been, yeah, I've been to that Japanese garden. So yeah, um, so it's like right there. It's never, it's not too late, David. It's a destination. It's we an LA a destination. Reconsider a field trip. Yeah, let's get down there. Take a little <laughs> big. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> send me the waiver so I can have my parents sign off. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I just, I think this movie is so much fun. Like going in, I didn't, I didn't remember it being as fun as it was. I don't know. Like maybe I took it more seriously last time, but this time it just, I had a blast watching it. It does. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It doesn't take itself too seriously, you know? Yeah. No, no, it knows what it is. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing. Some of it is really, really bad. Like there, like some of the dialogue is really ridiculous, but some of the things that are done well are, are actually pretty impressive. And it's a nice little mix of both. And it is a lot of fun. And, and the tent pole, like action scenes are crazy and exciting and, just like bananas and and very entertaining yeah the the soundtrack is solid too actually i have to say yeah yeah mm. i was too busy looking at joe piscopo's hair i didn't <laughs> notice but um we get a, we get a little uh we get a fair amount of sexist comments from from joe you know those uh mm-hmm. those don't age very well um maybe a little bit racist in the Chinese, you know, restaurant sequence, but, uh, you know, it's not, I mean, again, it's a product of its time. Should we see how it did at the box office with a little box office glory? Yeah. Number one movie of 80. Oh, never mind. No, <laughs> close. <laughs> Very close. <laughs> All right. Dead heat. Uh, had a $5.5 million budget. It was shot over 37 days in late 1987. It was released May 6, 1988. It debuts at number five hmm. against other new releases that week, Shakedown and Salsa. I don't know what I, Salsa is. I remember Salsa, but I don't remember Shakedown. Shakedown, I want to say, was Sam Elliott and Peter Weller, another buddy cop movie. Wow. I think Salsa was a dance movie, right? Kind of like La Mata. It's either it had either about dance or or toppings. I don't Picante sauce. Chip 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 toppings. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay, and it was uh, number five. It was between Salsa and uh, Above the Law, which was in week five. Uh, Opening opening weekend, it made a whopping. 1.6 1.6 million for a grand total domestic run of 3.5 million. Oh, yikes. Oof. Uh, top That's at the box office that weekend was uh, Colors in week four, Beetlejuice in week six, and Shakedown at number three. Uh, okay, it, it landed at number 140 in 1988, right between Imagine John Lennon and Baghdad Cafe, which was a a uh an independent film so really this is this is why we did not get a sequel this is exactly yeah, well why every we and everybody's dead but well, <laughs> yeah but hold on they, they, listen before the movie we can came defy out, those laws somehow <laughs> yes before the movie came out the studio did they they were talking about a sequel and how they would do it and they'd have to you know terry black was like well everyone's dead like there can't be sequel and someone from the studio said well you have a re regeneration machine just fucking use it <laughs> like, this is the easiest to solve yeah like you literally yeah. have it as your and he's point. like do i have to think of everything terry <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, tops at the box office in 1988 was Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Coming to America, and Good Morning Vietnam. Mm. Uh, overall, would you say this movie, does it fall into that category of so bad it's good? Or is it not quite one of those? I don't think it's, I don't think it's that bad. Yeah. I don't either. Uh, I don't think it, I don't think it's one of those movies. No, I don't think so. I think it, it's got a lot on its own merits to enjoy if, if you like this sort of thing, <laughs> but, uh, and there's things to like, as we're pointing out, like the action and, and, and the, and these, uh, special effects were really cool and kind of unexpected, I think in the movie, yeah. <laughs> like the quality of those special effects, um, but was that I did not expect that in this, and uh, so and then you know and then there's just the charm of the cast by themselves, like yeah. everyone in it is is what is worth watching. The dial it's probably suffers most with dialogue, like yeah, if for as silly as the story is and as and as very like thin as it is, um, it just sort of loses itself in like characters that you know you don't really get to know any character any any in any significant way. So there's like, it, it lacks heart, like, but you know, other than that, I did sort of think too, you know, I think I had written down in my notes, you know, there, there are some missed opportunities, I think for, for one liners. I mean, I think Joe Piscopo says gross, like after something happens about yeah. four times and I'm like, yeah. ah, could, couldn't we come up with something better than yeah. that's gross or that's disgusting. It's like there, there are these moments where there are some missed opportunities, I think in the dialogue where you're like, ah, that could have been better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't think it was obvious enough to the audiences then that it was really a play on it's a play on, you know, the buddy cop movie. We talked mm-hmm. about this It's a play on the Frankenstein films. It's a play on zombie movies. It's a play on so many different things that it's, and it's not a spoof, you know, this is the same year as naked gun. It's not like that at all. Right. Um, but your comparison to return of the living dead Brent is I think spot on because the tone of really matches the tone of that movie, which is another one people didn't get. So yeah. I think maybe at that time it was, we were still in the middle of those genres, right? That it wasn't, yeah. I don't think an audience was ready to kind of like start poking fun at that ahead of but its time. Yeah, it was, it was treat new. He knew what this was and he knew that 25, 30 years later, people are going to love this movie <laughs> or at least four, it, du- it, four dudes would. Yeah. yeah. Four dudes. <laughs> is yeah. it a cult classic? I don't even know if it's a cult classic. Like, I, don't I don't think it I don't really is. Anybody yeah. talk about that. He, you know what? That's <laughs> about to change when this episode drops. So yep. It's going to be the new. I would say it's probably the number one buddy cop zombie movie that I've seen. Yeah, it's fair. Yeah, I'd call it the best. (laughs) Coming in second would be R.I.P.D. Is that that, sure? Yeah. Distant second. I don't know if there's there's zombies in that, but they are. uh, (laughs) They are definitely dead cops or something. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> um, an, another face that I, I, you know, we saw real quick in the early part of the the film, the opening sequence was Robert Picardo. Yeah. Uh, yep. Calling back to Star Trek. I mean, he's in many of the Star Trek shows and a couple of the movies. So great, great actor. Uh, also was in the Howling, directed by Joe Dante. So mm-hmm. all loops back another, around. Another Dante reference. Yeah. But it um, all it's all connected to Dante. Yeah. But I think, you know, coming back to Treat, you can just tell he had a really good time with this with this movie. 
And again, it shows the range that he could do. You know, 1979, he's doing Hair, which is a, a musical, and he's getting acclaim for that. Uh, by the early 80s, he's doing, you know, serious movies. Like Prince of the City is a very intense movie and, you know, about, you know, this group of detectives and and Treat is the lead. And it's it's really like heavy and long it's an kind of an epic movie like like a scarface kind of and uh um great performance by him once upon a time in america is like one of the arguably one of the greatest films uh of all time it's on that list somewhere you know but um mm -hmm. uh and he's got a kind of a smaller part in that but definitely an important role in it um you know, and then he's moving into movies like this where he's just having fun. And I, I'm definitely glad he he did a movie like Dead Heat and showed that he's he can do more, also more than just that serious stuff, that he's got a whole other side. He can do musicals, he can do comedy, he can do action, he can do drama. So, um, and then, you know, going into the 90s, continuing that kind of fun with your Deep Risings and your Substitute sequels and uh, and then eventually finding his way back to TV with with the, some of the things that we mentioned. But there's plenty of of great uh, and whatever that means to you, great projects for you to watch for a treat uh, in his in his library. So go check it out. Let's celebrate some Treat Williams and uh, gone too soon at 71 from a motorcycle accident, and he will be missed. But yet. We have so much more treat to cover on this show. We've just scratched the surface. Just going to oh, continue baby. celebrating, right? Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. no way we're not going to talk about Deep Rising. <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> just started. Yeah. Uh, Jared, uh, I'm so glad you got to come on finally uh, in, in season six. And I apologize. It took so long to... Uh, get the contract worked out amongst our, <laughs> our legal teams to get you on here well when you're the susan lucci of the creative emmys it takes <laughs> a minute <laughs> no I, it was it was an absolute pleasure and thank you guys so much for having me uh, yeah yeah happy well, to yeah. come on anytime you'll be back you'll be back and we have uh many of these movies that we've covered jared and i had watched uh, together and brent we've all watched together and back in our santa fe days so uh yep. we'll have you back for sure yeah we got to do a cohen brother marathon for, yeah make definitely that, make that happen i'm, I'm working oh, on next year's lineup and i see a little blood simple in there so forever young forever yep. young <laughs> nice oh boy all right uh Guys, if you haven't already, check out our sizzling summer of sensational cinematic shenanigans. It started with Megaforce. We had we had one crazy summer. We had a hard ticket to Hawaii. We had UHF, and now we're wrapping up with with Dead Heat. And we're gonna shift gears as we head into the fall. But it's been an incredible summer here at Reconsidimation. Hell yeah! We've hit all of David's favorite movies. A lot, lot of new ones, a lot of new favorites. You know, a lot, I, there are a lot of new ones for me too. Some of these, uh, and and I cannot wait for the next group gathering to watch some of these together. Because absolutely, I probably won't watch them by myself. <laughs> well, Same. you know, stay tuned because we are gonna our, our in our next episode we are gonna return to the world of John Carpenter with one of his films that I have never seen. 
Really? Called, called Starman. All right. Get excited. <laughs> and we may have yet another special guest for that episode. But uh, stay tuned for that. And, of course, check us out. We're on Reconsummation Podcast on Twitter and Facebook and Instagrams. Check us out there. Hit our archives up at reconsummation.com for our back catalog. A uh, quick shout-out to our friends E.K. Wimmer for the theme music and Curtis Moore for the posters, as usual. You know what? Go on go on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating because you love the show so much. It always helps, uh, and we would appreciate that very much. And uh, we will see you next time on Reconsidimation. Take care. Bye now. I'm dead, Rebecca. How much worse can it get? The resurrection process has an unfortunate side effect. Which is what? All of the cells of your body will dissolve into a kind of organic stew. It's disgusting. Entertainment is rotting flesh. I don't know what it is, but that's what the film is. It's, you you want to say, let's go have a great time. Let's go watch this ridiculously un believable plot and, and suspend our disbelief and have a great time you know okay well, i'm gonna believe this guy gets brought back to life and see what happens watch him chase down the bad guys i think uh, it's a lot of fun <laughs> and now ladies and gentlemen we have another number for you <laughs> jerry, right here jerry right lewis is on right here how oh, i don't feel very good <laughs> ah. i'm a zombie ding i'm a zombie so are we ready to no, reverse? No, we haven't been here too many hours, have we? <laughs> <laughs> These were anywhere from 12 to 18 hour days. It was what we call in the business a tough shoot, but a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun making it, and Joe made me laugh more than I've laughed in years. And so I'm hoping people will like it as much as we do. Bigelow's great. Bigelow's like, a lot like me, just cruising through life trying to have a good time. But Joe represents what the audience sees. Joe comments physically on what's happening. Um, he sees things that are funny and he announces it, uh, his character. Uh, mine doesn't do that. Mine is the straight, you know, dead-ahead cop. Everybody slows, at least, they may not stop, but they slow down when there's an accident. Let's face it. We are all fascinated by what could happen to us. It's not real. You know it's not real. It's, it's special effects gone rampant. Detective Mortis, homicide. You're, you're a cop? Surprise! But I think it takes the zombie movie to different heights. I don't know what direction it actually takes the zombie movie, but it's a genre of horror and comedy and, and, and zombies all thrown together in a kind of a... It, to me, it's the closest thing to going to that movie is like going to a fun house. You get scared, but in a fun way. I can't do it. I can't live a lifetime in six hours. Nobody's got all the time they need, Roger. Nobody. You remember when we were in training? They always told us you can't be a good cop if you're a dead cop. Here's your chance to prove them wrong. You're good, and you're dead. <laughs>